It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Vamos. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Good morning. It is Monday, March 20th, 2023. The word of the day is vamos. Let's go. Let's talk about WBC. The World Baseball Classic has created all sorts of interesting issues off the field and on the field. Back and forth on Twitter, back and forth everywhere in the media. Is the World Baseball Classic good for baseball? Are players happy to be playing? Are they unhappy to be playing? What about injuries? We covered it last week with Edwin Diaz. Got into a Twitter spat with Keith Oberman, although he never responded. That's not a spat. People questioning why he said what he said. We're watching games. Everything's going great. Marlins Park is shining. I guess it's Lone Depot Park now. 35,000 people, players all in, quarterfinal game. All of a sudden, Daniel Bard gets in the game. Let's talk about this for one second. Daniel Bard is a pitcher who you may not remember had some command issues. Out of the game for a while. Mark DeRosa is a first-time manager. There's a very simple rule when you are managing the USA team or any team in the WBC. You get a list of things from the clubs. My player can do this, not this. He can have this number of pitches, not that. Can play every other day, not every day. Can play the full nine innings, cannot. It is prescribed, inscribed in stone. What is not put in there is when you're looking at Daniel Bard, and you know that he's got no command because he's walking people, throwing it to the backstop, doing his best Charlie Sheen imitation. What's not put in the rules and regulations given to first-time managers or long-time managers is what to do with your pen or a specific player where you don't do it. You don't pitch him when it looks like he doesn't have it. Take him out. No, he faces Jose Altuve and hits Jose Altuve. If I am the president of the Astros, I am not sure what I'm doing today, but I sure as heck know what I was doing when I saw Tuve get hit. He immediately gets taken out, gets into the x-ray machine at Marlins Park, and it would have been discovered, and it was discovered, that he broke his thumb, a fracture of his thumb. Why the Astros announced we'll have an update tomorrow is beyond me. It doesn't get unbroken. This is what teams do. 
They did it with Nolan Arenado last night. Arenado got hit in the hand, went to get an x-ray immediately. What do you think? He went to the hospital and came back? Or they just had their PR people working better than the Astros PR people? Give me a break. They announced negative. They always announce negative right then and there. But when it's positive, they say, we'll have results tomorrow. It's such a bunch of horse hockey that it makes me laugh. We have the results immediately. Altuve's thumb fractured. Surgery out for two months minimum. It's going to be longer. Renews cries for end the WBC. No, that's not going to happen. Let's talk about the Astros and what they're going to do now. Because Dana Brown is their new GM. And he talking to reporters the next day when they made the announcement that he fractured his thumb. They spent all night coming up with this. It's a massive blow. You can't replace a player like this, this close to the season. These players don't exist. That's the best they could come up with. Here's what Dana Brown and the Houston Astros needed to announce upon Jose Altuve's thumb being broken. It is very unfortunate that Jose Altuve fractured his thumb. As we start the season, an attempt to defend our championship and become the first team in over 20 years to do so, we will make sure, because of the depth we have, that we are in a position to make the playoffs by the time Jose comes back, and he will be the best trade day le- trade ugh, four eight sixty nine. We're live. He will be the best trade deadline acquisition in the game. That's it. You can't replace him this close to the season. Does that mean you can replace him if we were further away from the season? Absolutely not. These players don't exist. Yes, they do. Jose Altuve is pretty unbelievable, but guess what? Someone's going to play second base. It'll be their utility guy. Jose Altuve and the rest of the players were sprung into action by MLB, by the Players Union, by team presidents and GMs. And you started to hear players say, why is everyone not playing in the WBC? Where are all the all-stars? Number two, you were hearing players say, injuries like this can happen. It's unfortunate. It can happen in spring training. It can happen in the regular season. It can happen in an exhibition game. It can happen in your hotel room. That is the pat line that is always important to say, but it is wrong. Celebration, patellar, tendon injuries do not happen in spring training. You don't celebrate wins. The players aren't even there when the game is over. The level of intensity. Are you watching these games? These are not spring training games, period. What they meant to say is that injuries happen during spring training. And so they're pointing to Gavin Lux being out for the year with the injury he got during spring training. They're pointing to Brandon Nimmo, who sprained his knee, sliding into a base during a spring training game for the Mets. But that's not really what the discussion should be about. The question that should be asked is why, when there's a WBC game, do people have a reaction that's different than when a player gets hurt during the World Cup in soccer? or during the Olympics. Injuries during spring training, for me, 
are far more upsetting and disappointing than injuries that happened during the WBC. The reason I was always okay with all of our players playing in the WBC is I wanted the exposure. I wanted the players to feel that sense of competition, to play in front of full stadiums, which they didn't get a chance to do when they were playing for the Marlins at home, and to be in game shape for opening day. One of the things that you try to do in spring training is simulate regular season conditions. You'll start playing more night games. You'll see that on the spring training slate. You'll get the players eventually playing nine innings, getting their four at bats. You're getting into the routine of the regular season, but the competition is simply not sufficient. It's the same issue in football, the same issue in basketball. Preseason games are meaningless. You don't get that feeling of preparedness, mentally or physically. The reason I loved the WBC is I knew come opening day, my guys from the WBC were rounding into late early season shape, whereas the rest of the team was rounding into we're just starting shape. So Altuve breaks his thumb. Oh, by the way, wait to see Coca, mark this. We, I've seen players get hit in the thumb before. So here's how it works when you're hit, hit in the thumb. And I'm not practicing medicine without a degree. Again, I'm not. I'm just telling you that I've seen players break their thumbs getting hit by a pitch. And here's the recovery time. They're saying 8 to 12, take the over. I promise you, Jose Altuve will not be back within 12 weeks of his injury. Wait to see. We'll revisit it. We'll let you know when he plays, but he will not appear in a major league game for over 12 weeks, not under 12 weeks. When the World Baseball Classic was invented or conceived by Major League Baseball and discussed with us inside owners meetings, one of the things that I talked about immediately with baseball was the natural desire for Miami to host the finals and the semifinals. That was an opportunity for the Marlins to make money and gain exposure. The semis and finals were never given to Miami for one reason, not because our bid wasn't good enough. You have to do a bid, it's pretty funny actually. There's a request for proposal by baseball to host the WBC. It's sort of like when you're assigned an all-star game and you know you're getting it, but you still have to bid for it. So then we can say there was a bidding process. Now, of course, with the all-star game, the commissioner doesn't even pretend there's a bidding process anymore. He just names all-star hosts for years in advance, but they're without, they still have to submit something, but it's not a bid. It's a package of readiness. But for WBC, when it started, it was an actual bid process that a bunch of different ballparks and a different bunch of different cities would submit. And it's like an all-star game where you submit where the teams would stay, what the infrastructure is for transportation, what would go on at the ballpark, what the ancillary events would be, all the things that are required in a bid. And our view was Miami would be the number one site. And what we were told is, thank you, we're gonna give you early rounds, but you cannot get semis and finals because Cuba will not play in Miami and we need Cuba in the WBC. And the reason they won't play in Miami, other than the politics of it, is that they were worried they would come with the team and leave with the trainer. It would be a defection extraordinaire. The extra security required locking 
players in their hotel rooms, making sure they're all on a team bus, all guarded. It just wasn't going to happen. The other issue was always the political issue. The political issue in Miami as it relates to Cuba is an issue that is significant to Miamians, less significant as you proceed west in the country. It's always interesting to me when presidential candidates use Cuba as a launching point or as a message point in their first 100 days in that plan or in the debates or in all. What is your view of Cuba? The majority of voters actually don't care. But in Miami, that is the number one issue. My experience with this is significant, both from a World Baseball Classic standpoint, but more importantly, from a Ozzie Guillen standpoint. In 2012, when Ozzie Guillen did an interview and said that he has great respect for Fidel Castro, that was the last minute that Ozzie Guillen could manage the Marlins. It was over. Kept him for the rest of the year and then fired him. We said we fired him because of lack of performance. We said we fired him because we were not pleased with the direction of the team. We didn't get out of the season what we thought we'd get out of it. We were going to trade all the players to Toronto, but that wasn't it. We knew, and we were filming the franchise at the time, that we were going to suspend him during the season and then fire him at the end of the season. There was no walking back what happened in 2012. We had Ozzy go on a reclamation tour that made Myers Leonard tour look like it didn't exist. He met with everybody in Miami, all of the important people as it relates to Cuba and the Cuban issue, but it was not enough. There was no forgiveness. What happened yesterday in the WBC in Miami and this whole weekend leading up to Cuba playing yesterday and getting their butts kicked by the US who are now in the finals, is that there were protests at Versailles, which is a Cuban restaurant on Calle Ocho, which means 8th Street. There were protesters at the game outside the gates, and there were protesters who ran on the field during the game. When you run that game, you're hosting WBC. Major League Baseball is in control of revenue. They pay you back for expenses. However, you, the home city, the home stadium, you run the game. That's Marlins security. That is Marlins in-game entertainment people. It is Marlins employees, Marlins concessionaires. You have to prepare a bunch of people and train them for something that they've never done before. Again, please hear me. When a stadium has 10,000 people at night, you close the upper deck and you only open certain concession stands and you only need X number of game day employees. When there's 35,000 people in a sellout situation, you have hundreds more security, game day employees, ushers, police, everything is greater. It is easier to train people when there is a consistent, a consistency of service. A consistency of service means that you know for a 10-game homestand that you're going to have the same people working all 10 games. They get in the habit of making the hot dogs. They understand what their job is as security. And then they go away when you're on the road and they come back for the next homestand. You have a base number of employees who do that job. When there are games that you project to have larger attendance, you bring in more game day employees 
and you attempt to train them, but it doesn't work, which is why concession lines are longer, time per customer is longer, parking is a bigger pain in the neck, and the overall experience is worse because you're dealing with people who don't know what's going on in terms of the operation of a game. It's the same thing with security people. When you saw the three people run on the field last night, the time it took to tackle them was staggering as though they weren't ready. How do you not, if you are Bruce Sherman and the Marlins or MLB, sit down with the security people and understand what was going to happen? There were going to be protests, there were gonna be people on the field, they were gonna wear clothes and have signs that said, free Cuba. There are plenty of people whose view was that the Cuban national team should not be allowed to play in Miami, or if they are gonna be allowed to play, then the Cuban national team has to be called out and the Cuban government has to be called out for the lack of freedom and for all the political prisoners who are there and for the fact that it's a completely non-democratic island. It felt as though no one was prepared. It felt as though that Major League Baseball was absolutely unprepared when they had a rule that said no shirts that say free Cuba. So people were being turned away at the gates who bought tickets. Other people were allowed in because MLB changed the rule, but did not get it communicated properly. And it's hard to do to all the game day people who are actually doing security at the gates. It is a machine that has to run smoothly and to do it, it requires practice and foresight, neither of which the Marlins had, the practice or the foresight. Can't be surprised of anything that happened. Will it mean the WBC will not be invited back for semis and finals in Miami? That's certainly on the table. I'll tell you right now, in 2027, the finals and semis will not be in Miami and not because they're trying to switch off and give it to different cities, different stadiums. That's not the reason. Because overall, having these games in Miami has been incredible for Major League Baseball. If only Cuba had not made it to the semis, that would have been a dream come true. You are seeing the ruach, the spirit, the crowds, leading to the question, where will everyone be in April? The WBC is different. It is like the World Cup. People will not be converted into Marlins fans. They are there for the event. They're there to watch Trey Turner earn his $300 million. Do you know he's tied with Ken Griffey Jr. for the most home runs in a WBC? Two more last night, the grand slam to, ve to beat Venezuela. Trey Turner actually came out and ended the argument by saying, listen, I've done a lot of things in my career. That home run was the biggest home run of my career. How about Randy Rosarena playing for Mexico, not Cuba, because he would not, he defected, he would not go back and play for Cuba. Juan Mocada and Luis Robert, I think it's Luis Robert, I call him Robert thinking he's French. They defected and in an agreement between the US and Cuban government, defectors were allowed to play on the Cuban national team, which is staggering to me. I was worried they were gonna get kidnapped and brought back to Cuba. Randy Arazarena said, the catch I made to get Mexico into the semis, biggest catch of my life. For these players, these are the biggest moments. When you put the name of your country on your jersey and you wear it proudly, it is way different than regular season or postseason in your league. It just feels better. Ask Messi. So Turner hits the Grand Slam after 43 postseason games says, hey, this is way better. 
So what happens now? Tonight, we've got Japan playing Mexico for an opportunity to play U.S. tomorrow night in the finals. After tomorrow night, there will be a champion. Either the USA will defend its title or Japan will win its third or Mexico will win its first. We will find out. I'll make the pick later in the show. But if you're not watching, what are you doing? I got to tell you, Coca, I got some heat over Marlins Park and I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that I can't win a popularity contest with the job I had to do. But when you look at Marlins Park, I had two feelings in my head as I've been watching these games, quarterfinals and then this semifinal. One of them was petty and it's not, I'm gonna share it because I share everything with you. I had the feeling that uh, I was angry that Jeter had removed the home run sculpture. I was angry that Jeter made the stadium less colorful. It's more gray. It's less descript. It's totally nondescript. And I was angry. Not angry that I wasn't a part of it, a little wistful maybe. Not angry that people were still angry with me and not recognizing how great it is to have Marlins Park in Miami, but just wistful. But then the other part of me was watching and I was proud. I can admit easily that I was proud, can't I? Does that make it wrong? Coco, you okay with that? Me saying that I was a part of something that resulted in this? I don't know, for me it was damn cool. So spring training, when you go back to spring training after the WBC, what a total letdown. It is one of the rules that baseball has when you play in Japan to open a season and the Mariners did it. Remember when the Mariners played two years ago and Ichiro got to retire as a member of the Mariners? He played in the, in the regular season games that they played. It was like March 19th or 20th, actually. The rule is that when you play overseas to start the regular season, you then fly back and play spring training games before you continue your regular season. So they start the season early enough internationally that there's time for the team to come back, adjust back to the US time zones, play more exhibition games, and then start again. Going from the excitement of regular season, the roar of the crowd, the everything about the preparedness back to exhibition games, not easy. So don't worry about the performance of players who've been eliminated from the WBC, whether it's Sandy Alcantara, whether it's anybody from any of the teams, it is totally normal to have a letdown. They'll be ready for the regular season. All right. I think we're going to go to break Coco. When we come back, we got to talk about Artie Moreno because he did something that has not been done in three years. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 
Watch that preview while you can. Galazzo starting April, I thought it was first, maybe April 11th, CBS. It's a new 24-hour channel. You want football, they've got football for you. Artie Moreno is the owner of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and he does not talk to the media at all. There is an absolute indirect correlation between the amount that he meddles and the amount that he talks to the media. When he's hiring his GM or hiring his managers, everyone is very aware of Artie Moreno's role as owner of the Angels. You're all aware, go back to back episodes, take your time. You'll have many, many years to go back to old episodes. Artie Moreno trying to do a land deal to buy the land where Angel Stadium is, trying to build a new ballpark, not being able to do it, having major political issues, major like accusations of meddling, and above all, major lack of performance on the field. This is a team that has two of the top five players, if not two of the top three players in Major League Baseball, and they can't sniff, can't even sniff October. Maybe this is the year I think there's a 40% probability of them making the playoffs, which is unbelievable. I've always told you it's not for lack of spending, it's for lack of spending correctly. So for whatever reason, he decides he's gonna meet the media because this was a tough off season for Artie. Remember the team was for sale and he did that whole announcement. We're not selling the team because I love you Angels fans. I wanna bring you a championship. All warm and fuzzy. Could everyone hold hands please? A bunch of poppycock. He didn't sell it because he didn't get the right price. So he talks to the media and boy, did he say some things that made me smile. There's a great article in The Atlantic by Sam Blum that goes through a bunch of these things. And I just wanna point out a few of them that he talked about. Self-awareness is not a very good trait shared by many owners. They don't have it. Artie Moreno thought that everyone was gonna be super happy when he didn't sell the team like, hey, I'm back. Like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. The grass isn't always greener. And he actually said when asked whether or not he realized that, that fans were upset he didn't sell the team, he said, I don't have any social media. That is perfect. That is what we would tell our owner to say because we want people to think it's only on social media. Of course, that's completely untrue, but that's what we want you to think. We want you to think that we're downplaying social media when actually we're obsessed with social media. We are literally judging ourselves based on the winds that are blowing in the social media arena. But owners get to say, I don't have social media, so I don't even know what you're talking about. But then he went off script and said, you always have a vocal minority that's not going to be happy no matter what. That would be like me saying, listen, no one ever yells at me in public. People always want my picture, autograph. Of course, everyone likes me. It's absurd. It's a total lack of self-awareness. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about when I was running the Marlins. I just don't know why I would do that. He knows that's not the case. When you know you're gonna be asked about the sale of the team, saying, we did not believe it was the right time. We were exploring the sale of the team. And when I said I was exploring, that just meant exploring. We are very excited for the season and look forward to bringing a championship to the fans of Anaheim. Stop there, that's good. What about Otani? Of course he was gonna be asked about Otani. So you have to have a message. 
You have to know in a very condensed way and concisely what you're going to say when asked about the biggest free agent in the history of sports. That's not hyperbole. Bigger than Jordan, bigger than LeBron, the decision by Shohei Otani and where he goes will be, he will get the largest deal in the history of sports, even bigger than Ronaldo in notional dollars. And on top of that, he's the best and biggest free agent in the history of baseball, way better than Aaron Judge. So you know you're gonna be asked. His best answer was, he's arguably the most unique player, probably one of the top five or 10 players. Really? That's your position. That Shohei Otani is one of the top five or 10 players. Now, was he doing that to negotiate through the press with Otani's agents? Why? You don't need to negotiate through the press when you're negotiating with your own free agent or any other free agent. You can tamper just as easily without using the press. You can find out what Otani wants without using the press. You have contact with him because you see him every day. Why would you think that calling him one of the top five to 10 players? Is that because when you make him an offer and you get beaten by a larger offer, you get to say, listen, that's way too much for one of the top five or 10 players in the league. If the Angels do not re-sign Otani, which I am fascinated to watch because I'm still holding on to my position that Moreno did funny business when signing Otani and that Moreno has some sort of deal with Otani that may have gone wrong when Otani got even better than they thought he was gonna be. But if he leaves Anaheim, you have nothing you can say except he did not want to be in Anaheim and we have great respect and we thank him very much. You can't underbid for Otani. Practically speaking, Moreno still trying to sell the Angels and any new owners will want to be involved, new prospective owners will want to be involved in whether Otani is signed and at what price. But Moreno is not going to say that because he doesn't want you to know that the Angels are still for sale, which by the way, they are. So instead, he's going to say, listen, that just, that, that was too much, too much. You didn't want to play for us. We gave it everything we had. It's absolutely insanity. Just insanity. He went on to talk about a bunch of other things that made me smile. Talked about some of the issues the Angels have had. Some of the cheap ways in which they run their minor league operation. They've gotten criticized significantly about minor league housing, minor league food, all sorts of things. There have been people who have spoken out and he basically said, you cannot judge what we do based on one whistleblowing malcontent. Love that. That's exactly what you say when you run a team. When someone says something about your organization, you put that person in a corner, baby. You go full Jerry Orbach and you say, that guy, that guy's on an island. I have no idea why he would say that. We spend a lot of time making sure that our minor league players are happy. <laughs> I like it. I really do. So now he's heading into a season where I would say he's got the greatest pressure of all time to win. Could be Otani's last year. 
he asked himself, answered the question about legacy. We talk about that internally, about legacy. We know when we make a trade that that's gonna be mentioned as part of our legacy. We know winning a World Series mentioned as part of your legacy. He was asked and wondered during this scrum about whether or not the team's lack of success, what it means for his legacy. And he blamed injuries and COVID. I'm sorry, but that's not right. How about blaming the fact that you have wasted money by signing horrific players and the only good players you signed were 15, 20 years ago? They've had a streak of bad signings and bad uses of free agency, which I don't blame. You want your owner to spend, right? Steve Cohn is spending. You're going to blame him if the Mets don't win? How can you? Artie Moreno spends money. He just hasn't won. Part of his legacy will be that, yes, he spent. No, he didn't win, which means that he must be way too involved in the baseball side because they've had really good baseball employees. Overall, my grade for Artie Moreno speaking to the press, it's a solid C plus, B minus. Average at best. But when you're doing something for the first time in three years, you gotta be above average. And he just wasn't ready. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I watched an Oscar-nominated movie this weekend that I had not seen called Living with Bill Nahi. He was nominated for Best Actor. I, I guess I watched it before the weekend. I watched it, when were the Oscars? They were a week ago already. I just haven't had a chance to review it, and I wanted to talk about it, if you don't mind. Living, uh, Bill Nye, the guy from Love Actually, About Time. He plays a character in London who has a very ordinary life, who basically is getting through life by day-to-day, very programmed, unemotional, very British, some would say. And all of a sudden, something happens in his life where he says, I gotta start living. The movie is about a person who has not lived, quote unquote, who needs to start living, quote unquote, until he can't live anymore, quote unquote, and it's coming sooner than you think, quote unquote. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all had the capacity to live without knowing we were dying? Or conversely, wouldn't it be amazing to live a life not worrying about dying because we're all dying, it's just a matter of when, not if. Why do we always need to lose something before we try to find it again. I thought about that the entire movie. I thought it was a fantastic movie, a great script, great acting, but it definitely got me thinking about several concepts that I love, Carpe Diem, Tempest Fugit. Tempest Fugit, not Patrick Fugit. Tempest Fugit, Fugit. Live your life. 
All right, let's go. Pick of the day. Living, you should watch it. Friday, we had Puerto Rico over Mexico. Puerto Rico without Edwin Diaz. They score four runs in the first inning. They're going to beat Mexico. Everything's coming up, Roses. They put in Edwin Diaz's brother, who's on the team, who does not get it done. Puerto Rico loses, we lose. But the good news is that the Miami Hurricanes beat Drake. Miami Hurricanes are now in the Sweet 16 two years in a row, which is amazing. We won that one. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Warriors on Friday night. Are you going to stop not listening to me and take the Warriors at home and don't take them on the road? I don't know, maybe not. We were doing great until Saturday. Venezuela lost to the U.S. That was a plus money bet. I mean, Trey Turner hit a grand slam. What are you going to do? And I had no way of knowing that Princeton would beat Missouri. We lost that game so badly. How about the NCAA tournament? Just for one quick minute here. Every other minute, there's an upset alert. You look at the like New York City and who they're hosting, who they could have hosted and which teams are actually playing there now. At some point, does the NCAA get upset with all the upsets? And here's the sad and real truth, no. As far as the NCAA is concerned, it does not matter who's playing because people are watching, betting, and having their brackets. The biggest issue is that when everyone's brackets get busted so quickly, they are concerned in the old days that there'd be a lessening of interest. In fact, what gambling has done has made it so when your bracket gets busted, what do you care? You're still gambling every game. Last night we had the USA over Cuba. What a blowout. So overall it was a three and three weekend. We are 40 and 39 and let's talk about tonight. Tonight is the semis between Japan and Mexico. Please watch the beginning of the game, just the beginning of the game. If you don't want to watch the whole game, I get it. You'll notice without the pitch clock and with the shift still being allowed, the games are taking forever. But the starting pitcher for Japan is a 21-year-old phenom named Sasaki. He's going to be in the big leagues one of these years, hoping that it's sooner rather than later. Not sure when he's going to be posted. This is the guy who had like 50 straight innings who was, of no hits, who was pitching perfect baseball. Just stats that blow your mind. When you watch him pitch tonight, you are going to be shocked at his repertoire, shocked at his fastball, shocked at his command, shocked at his spin pitches. Just watch. And we're taking Japan. The reason why Japan's going to beat Mexico is that I have Japan to win the World Baseball Classic before it even started. More importantly, MLB had Japan playing the USA in the final. That is the perfect final. Mexico, USA, not as good. Mexico, Cuba, no chance, toilet pants. So look for Japan because everyone will be watching in Asia against the US. Everyone will be watching here. And that is a huge victory and a perfect cherry on top for Fox. Japan over Mexico. This collusion thing will not go away in the NFL. You know, I guess until the, I was going to say LeBron Jackson, I'm sorry. I guess four, eight, six, nine. Until Lamar Jackson gets an offer sheet or signs a long-term uh, extension with the Ravens, I guess we're going to keep hearing about this. And people are deciding when they're going to weigh in. And it is not a coincidence when anyone in the NFL or anyone who works for a team or anyone who works for the union weighs in. This weekend, DeMarie Smith, who is the director, executive director of 
the players union in the NFL, he decided that he was going to weigh in. In my nearly 15 year career as executive director, I have never witnessed teams being so quick to publicly announce their lack of interest in an MVP quarterback who's in his prime and who's also going to get an injury guarantee regardless of his contract. We as a union know that owners have colluded in the past and might do it again as they are potentially doing right now when it comes to highly sought after players. Here's the problem, DeMaurice. He's good at representing his union, not great. The union is not nearly as strong as MLB's. We know this, Tony Clark does a much better job. If you're gonna talk about and accuse teams of doing something publicly, you better be right. Why would teams have announced that they're not in on Lamar Jackson? The same reason we would announce or make it be known that we were not in on certain free agents. There are two reasons. One, we do not want the fans of our team to get all excited about signing Aaron Judge and Trey Turner and then not signing Aaron Judge and Trey Turner. Or to get excited about signing Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa and then not sign Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa. I'm talking about the San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Padres. You do not want to put your team in a lather. For example, if you're the New York Jets, you think you're happy that Aaron Rodgers announced you're going, he's going to the Jets? That puts pressure on the team to make the trade or to sign the player and to overpay in either the trade or in money if it's a free agent. There is nothing more quashing in terms of value than a right of first refusal. Right of first refusal is what companies ask for. A lot of the TV companies ask for that. A lot of people in a lot of different contracts ask for it. If you are being asked to give someone a right of first refusal or a right to match, say no. Do not allow a company you are contracting with to have that right. Because the existence of that right has a quashing impact on the value of what you are selling. Because of a non-exclusive franchise tag, the Baltimore Ravens have a right to match any offer given to Lamar Jackson by a team. In this era of social media, where everything is public so quickly, why would we make an offer for this quarterback when we know the Ravens can match it and get the player, and then all of a sudden our current quarterback is pissed off, our fans are let down? Why? I'm not doing it. The other reason I like announcing when we're out on free agents, I say it's always the fans, but back then, the other reason was to make sure that the teams who were in knew that we were out. So any rumor given by the agent that, hey, the Marlins are in and they could be bidding $250 million. I don't wanna be used that way by agents. That is what agents do. Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, he can't be doing it. Uh-uh. Lamar Jackson could very easily be saying, hey, I've got a bunch of offer sheets coming, but guess what? Then the Ravens could say, let me know when you get it. I'm happy to take a look. When a player is an actual free agent, there are still teams who publicly say it, that they're not interested. But when it's a free agent, quote unquote, on a non-exclusive franchise tag, 
That's why you've got so many teams saying we're out on Lamar Jackson. It has nothing to do with collusion. I don't understand why DeMarie Smith would choose Lamar Jackson as the hill to die on as the collusion hill to die on. It just makes no sense to me. We're going to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, but the Ravens should not be in any rush. Okay. We are 10 days away from MLB opening day. Do you realize that? It's absolutely crazy. I cannot wait to give you all the predictions, all the things that I am going to talk to you about the season. This is a very exciting season for baseball. It's a regular, regular season. It is the first season of the unbalanced schedule. Everybody's going to be playing. The first game on Thursday, the 30th, I think is a 105 game. Coke is the first game with the Pirates or the Reds. The Reds always used to get the first game. Did you know that they would do a parade in Cincinnati and it was known as the place where MLB opened and then it changed because of all the TV money. Little known fact, you had to make a deal with the TV broadcast partner to open the season the night of, the eve of, when the rest of the teams play. And it would often be the defending World Series champion. Sometimes it would be the team opening a ballpark. The first game we ever had was on April 4th, 2012. The regular season started April 5th. We played the Cardinals that day, the only game on national television. That was a thing when new stadiums were starting. That was a thing when TV networks were paying for that and willing to pay for that and baseball liked it. I believe this year that everyone is gonna be starting on Thursday the 30th and everyone's gonna be starting around the same time. Did they do the Pirates first and the Reds first? I actually don't think they did. You are gonna see when this season starts, Braves Nationals at 105, Giants are at Yankees an interleague game that really doesn't matter because now everyone's playing interleague. Remember, unbalanced schedule means that every team plays every team. That means Miguel Cabrera gets to come back to the Marlins and have a series before he retires. That means the Yankees are coming to play in Florida where they may celebrate 20 years since the Marlins beat the Yankees in the World Series. That means that every fan has a chance to see every player at least once in every two years. That to me, is a long time coming. So what are you doing now with 10 days left? The number one thing you're doing is you are making decisions on the non-roster invitees, deciding whether or not you're gonna add them to your team and add that guaranteed money to your payroll. Your rotation's already put together. You are figuring out who's gonna be at what level on the minor league side, where you're gonna send your minor league players or those who don't make the team, and you are beginning to communicate right now with those players. Because the last 10 days is when you truly are preparing for day one. One thing that Fox doesn't have and ESPN doesn't have, which I wonder whether it will happen because I think it should, is the concept of flex games. The NBA is going for flex games. The NFL goes for flex games. The first night game of the regular season is including the Astros because they're the defending World Series champions. They're playing the White Sox, who in theory were supposed to be good last year and weren't. In theory, they're supposed to be good again. They are very, very unlikely to win their division. Spoiler alert. They're very, very unlikely to make the playoffs. Spoiler alert. But the defending World Series champion got the primetime game. 
So they'll have time to discuss Altuve, and they'll have time to discuss everything that happened last year. Will the Astros repeat? I am damn excited. Ten days, that's it. You're going to hear my voice in a lot of different places over the next 10 days, so you better get used to it. In the meantime, I didn't get a chance to talk about something that I really wanted to get to, Coca. I really wanted to know why the Yankees don't pay for their players' Wi-Fi. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Maybe we won't. In the meantime, we've been live. Nothing personal with David Sampson, the YouTube channel. Join us Monday, Wednesday, Friday live. Eventually, we got to go five days a week, and we will. Why? Because it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Nothing Personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.